G'day everyone, welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire. I'm your host David Shi, and welcome to join us for another Friday um, in terms of our usual property chat. Um, and uh, as always, I've got my best guy here, John Camino. How are you, mate? Hey there, David. I'm yeah, really good, really good. Uh, happy Friday. Love Fridays. That's right, mate. That's right. You've um, yeah, you are. Uh, you've, you've gone through some transitions. Uh, apparently, you're no longer living in your own home. So, yes, that's right. uh, <laughs> living with my in-laws. So uh, every time. Uh, I go out for a walk. Uh, it's one, wonderful. Uh, any, any excuse to leave the house now, any excuse to leave the house. They, they are wonderful people, I should say, though. <laughs> Living with you in won't make you, to be honest, on the podcast. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> but look, uh, yeah, good to have you with us today, as always, John. I think it's, it's good. Um, we're in November already. Jeez, yeah. Like 2023 just goes like that. You know, like um, it's amazing how fast each year just, just, just goes and keep on flying by. Um, and um, as we always have the data as well coming out, I think the, uh, the the quarterly CPI result last quarter wasn't that fantastic. I think the monthly CPI has actually rose its ugly head again. And that was mainly due to, I think, three key factors, uh, the, the oil prices, the petrol prices, mm. which we all know. Um, that was also based on the, the rent, uh, which is, um, we all know that's the affordability issue that we're going through at the moment, um, as well as I think some insurances, premiums at the moment. Those are the biggest contributors right now in terms of the high CPI figures. But um, I think most of the economists has now put uh, put the bet from, it's interesting to see them that, you know, it was less than 50%. And all of a sudden, after the CPI figure gets released, pretty much everyone swung to the other way. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You, you're right. We all went to the other side of the boat and it's, now it's tilting the other way. Uh, it's true. It's true. And I think the head economist of ANZ Bank, who's former uh, RBA, uh, she joined the bank, made a statement that we were done with uh, rate increases. And then I think a week later said, got to put my hand up. I think there'll be one more. Uh, so we'll wait and see for Melbourne Cup Day. But the consensus at the moment is that there are there's one more rate. Uh, you subscribe to that as well, John? Do you think yeah, it's yeah. pretty much a done deal right now? I think so. I I, I think so. I mean, my, the only the only caveat is that the market in the US is, is factoring in that there will not be more rate rises over there. I mean, I, I don't want to be sort of stuck in the present tense because, but overnight the ten year yield dropped a lot, mm. and uh, the markets have have shot up. Uh, the stock markets have shot up on the basis that the the Fed's probably done. Now the Fed raised rates a lot more aggressively than the RBA, so they they raised rates by about another one percent, an additional percent over the RBA. So they're in a sense entitled to 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 pause more than the RBA is. But the US is the reserve currency. If they're not putting rates up, we're going to have to uh, follow more or less. But I, I still think that there's one more rate rise. Uh, but I think the big boys have stopped, but we'll see. I guess uh, just from a layman's term, if we, I guess the, the, the key contributors to this September figure that we've known, yep. like I mentioned previously, was the rent, uh, was the petrol prices. And I think the insurance premiums. How would the, how are we increasing another 025 percent going to help alleviate those? Is my question for potentially the RBA and for you? Yeah, I, d I don't mm. think so. I, I would j just add because I think you, you you mentioned initially petrol prices as well. Uh, so Why the way the and I might address the petrol prices, which I think feeds into the insurance premiums a little bit. Mm. Um, if they raise if they raise rates by a quarter 
quarter of a percent. That should strengthen the dollar and and that will push down the price. Okay. A stronger dollar will push down the price of imports. And if one of the biggest imports is oil, then it should push petrol prices down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way we think about inflation is completely upside down, as we've said on this podcast many times, um, th- that higher rents doesn't cause inflation. Higher inflation causes higher rents. And the, the reason we have inflation is because during COVID, we increased the supply of Australian dollars. We increased the money supply by 30% in one year. So that that's why we have higher rents. Yeah. Higher, higher rents don't cause inflation. Inflation causes higher rents. Um, but the the way the way that they would be able to to uh, get CPI down is by strengthening the dollar and pushing down the price of imports. Yeah, theoretically, uh, and oil being the biggest of those. Now, interestingly, at the end of the last quarter, which is sort of the last data set, so at the end of sort of September, oil is about ninety bucks mm-hmm. uh, US a gallon. It's back down to about eighty one dollars. Okay. So I don't think, uh, and oil bounces around. But I think one thing that the market isn't taking to account is that the oil the, the oil price came back about ten percent, and that's not really reflected in the uh, the current CPI. So the CPI is going to benefit from the oil price going back down to eighty bucks. But it's always a rear view mirror type of yeah. view. It's a lag indicator, right? So yeah, yeah, okay. So you think that this month's CPI figure will come down due to the well partly mm-hmm. because of the fact that the petrol prices yep. have also eased. Yeah, I think that I think there'll be a realignment back back towards expectations, but once that the RBA has flagged that rates are most likely to go up, they ha- they kind of have to do it then. Uh-huh. So I think that there will be a quarter of a basis point increase. Uh-huh. If there isn't, it's probably because the oil price came back down and they they felt that they didn't need to do it. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I suspect that consensus generally prevails with these with these uh-huh. things. They don't like to be too surprising. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. I think all the uh, all the mortgage borrowers, unfortunately, have to uh, buckle mm. down again for another potential rate rise. Um, in this case, there's also talks about potentially another 0.25 percent in December. What do you think the likelihood of that could be? I, I don't. I don't think so. I'm actually becoming quite um, generally pessimistic. Not not on like the real estate market, which we'll get to. Um, still optimistic about that, but. I'll- I still, I think that they're, I think that, I think that rates rose too quickly and that what I thought was going to happen probably is what should have happened, which is that they, they let rates go too low during COVID and raising rates as quickly as they have done would be too dangerous. So therefore they would let inflation burn a little bit and they didn't, they, they, they became a bit too hawkish on inflation. Yeah. So, uh, I think we're kind of stuck now that there's rates are really quite high for the amount of debt that we have. Um, we, we know in the US the um, the interest on the the national debt is over a trillion dollars now. Now, bearing in mind that the military budget in the US is about eight hundred billion, so the interest on the debt is far greater than the Pentagon budget. I think that there's I think there's a reckoning that will happen in twenty twenty four, and I just I don't know what it looks like, but it's not it's not going to be good and i think it's quite soon whatever this reckoning is and if this reckoning happens interest rates might have to come down by mid next year so some sort of event essentially yeah. that's going to trigger that um yeah. to initiate the us 
markets. Um, the Feds, the yep. EU's um, essentially to look at putting that down. Yeah, this, the quicker they raise it, the quicker they have to basically come down as well. It's too quick. The, the, too quick for the amount of debt that, that's in the system. So there's mm. we're, we're too indebted. So you, you could do, so if you take, the 80s compared to now so they they raised interest rates from about eight percent to about 19 percent under under paul volker volker at the end of the 80s uh so that was double um now what they've done now is taken interest rates for about from about 0.1 of a percent to about five percent which is interest rates up about tenfold mm. is my maths good enough so like that's one. much much and in one year they did that so the the shock to the system is far greater. There has to be a reckoning. I, I don't see how we get out of that. Uh, so, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, higher interest rates is good, better for the system, but they did it very quickly. So we'll 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 see. Okay. All right. Okay. So if there's another point two five percent in November, um, and I know it's probably always a bit too early to tell when when it could be coming down. Um, mm. Funny enough, a couple of months ago, the economists are already predicting in terms of when it's going to come down at this point. But, um, John, given the latest information that we have, do you think that is it too early to say it's probably going to come down at one point, um, even in 2024, 2025? Or I know it's just pure mm. speculation here. Oh, man, the forecasting game. For, I mean, forecasting central bank policy is, is fraught. Uh, so... <laughs> Whatever I say next will be wrong. Uh, and you know, every economist, and I'm not an economist, but every economist always says second half of next year. Every year they say second half of next year. So look, I mean, uh, I actually, I just think something will snap before June. So I think that we might, it might be March or something like this, that's but that's certainly not what's baked in. What's baked in okay. is high rates in Australia. Um, but I, yeah, I, I do think 2024 will start coming down. Sure. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for that. Uh, look, I think it's uh, it's good to good to get uh, good to get a bit of insight on uh, what's in what's what's John what John's thinking on this side of things. Which I know a lot of our listeners are very interested in in knowing about. So, uh, but let's get into the more interesting stuff as well, John. I think the the core logic data for uh, November or October, I should say, because uh, it's just got mm. November. Uh, the core logic data in November has just got out um, and uh, we'll do the same thing as what we did last time. So I'm going to basically share the screen so our listeners can, or viewers can actually go through it with us. As for our listeners, unfortunately, uh, it's best to jump on our YouTube channel. So that way you can also get to see these things. Um, It will be a lot easier to follow um, when you have the screen in front of you, but uh, regardless. Okay, so. um, You've done some highlighting. Yeah, mate, John, I've done my homework. to you. <laughs> done my homework. Try to do the best to try, yeah. to, to try to use these as a bit of a conversation starter, uh, essentially. Okay, so um, headline. So home value index has gone up again, 0.9% for October. Okay, but there are some downside risk emerging. Um, and basically the first page here, there's a lot of things, but uh, yeah, I tried to highlight out the ones um, as a bit of our key points that, that we can use as a conversation starter. Um, so the one thing is, since finding a trough in January this year, the national HVI has increased 7.6%, leaving the index only half a percent below the historic high recorded in April last year. So we are basically back at the the, the highs, at the at the peak um, as, as we were last year, okay? So pretty much no difference. And at this current rate, we will see the national HVI reach a new record high midway through November, 
already like early November. In two weeks' time, we will pretty much at a new record high. It's amazing how when I, whenever we look at it, within 10 months, um, it literally bounced all the yeah. way back when yeah. everyone's kind of expecting it's going to go the other way, right? So, um, but uh, I think the the other thing the other thing now that we look at this is um, it's starting to uh, it's starting uh, each market starting to do its own thing. Um, you know, like we're, we're talking about different capital cities run at a different rate. Um, we are expecting there's going to be a slower rate of appreciation can probably be attributed to a combination of higher advertised stock. So at the moment, John, I'm sure you're seeing this, a lot of available properties on the market. Sellers are now trying to get rid of their stock, selling down, pay off a bit of debt, try to make life a bit easier, be able to hold on to the properties. Um, and that advertised stock alongside with the stretch affordability is probably what's going to slow down in the next couple of months the value of the appreciation um, in the next few months. So that's what John, uh, that's what Tim Lauders is actually thinking um, in, in that sense um, with the higher level of stock along with the stretch affordability. Okay, so we can't just keep pushing prices up, up, up forever. Um, there's going to have to be a line at some point in time. And I think we're very, very close to that level now where it starts to go neutral. Um, but like I mentioned, the, the properties are actually going at different paces for different national cities. So, um, you know, we're seeing very strong, very strong capital cities like Perth, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth at 1.6%, Brisbane at 1.4%, Adelaide at 1.3%. These are the cities that continuously to be favoured by the investors, basically, or most investors and our own ox because of the affordability they can, they can see at the moment. Uh, whereas on the other side of the equation, um, you know, we've got Darwin, um, who's um, unfortunately, you know, going through a negative um, as well as I think Tasmania was the other one as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so different property. I think it's just this is this is what we've always seen. Like you know, it's a very rare instance in during COVID that all the markets are accelerating at the same time. I think now just basically going back to what they used to do. Um, every capital yeah. city is doing its own things, uh, depending on affordability ranges. Um, they're running their own races and growing at different levels or decelerating at different levels. Yep. Um. Also worth highlighting, Brisbane housing value posted a nominal recovery in October, erasing the previous minus 8.9% drop in values to reach a new record high. So Brisbane's already at a record high now. Yep. Perth and Adelaide are also at a new record highs after recovering from shallow downturns earlier this year. So these three capital cities, why I can understand, most investors are eyeing at them at the moment. Yep. Uh, Remaining capital cities does have a bit to go. Sydney value is down 0.2%. In January, it's the January peak. Melbourne, minus 0.3.7% below the March 2022 peak. Hobart, down the most from their recent highs. Um, Sorry, Tassies. Um, (laughs) It's 11.6% below the peak levels. So... um, Yeah, so uh, I think those are kind of like the highlights. Oh, also, okay, regional Victoria. Funny enough, actually, I think Victoria is going to grab the, um, yeah. the headlines very, very soon. We've been speaking about yeah. this for a few times now, John. But regional Victoria remains the softest of the rest of the state regions, with housing values holding virtually flat over the rolling quarter, holding minus 7.2% below mm-hmm. the May 2022 peak. 
The soft conditions comes amid rising stock levels, 27.2% higher than a year ago, and 11.1% above the previous five-year average and low demand. Yeah. So I think those people looking at regional Victoria, Geelong, Ballarat, Bendigo, just a few of those capital cities at the moment, there's a lot of available properties for sale, not much demand at the moment. So yeah, could be a lot of... Oh, look, there's a lot of alienation of wealth uh, and wealthy people in, in, mm. in that state. But but fortunately, uh, governments change. And, but, but it has been a very hostile government to, to wealth, to, to, to landlords, to property investors and so on so but but uh, these things are these things are transient oh all right um so index results um so i'm not going to go through i think we pretty much cover most of it uh but yeah it's interesting to see how brisbane medium value is only about eight thousand dollars out from Melbourne. yes that's value. right that's right brisbane's about to overtake melbourne about to overtake um, mm. reminds me of when remember in about 2005 2004 uh perth was momentarily more expensive than sydney That's i right. remember that and uh it 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 reverses it it changes i think this will too but it's it's interesting to see that i think melbourne continues to prove to be good value um in the long mm. run but uh, yeah it is vastly yes. undervalued as i'm sure if you do a graph you're using your goal ratio today yes. probably would have been one of the top three if not top two now Ah, mm. uh, yeah, yeah. It was Melbourne and Perth when we last did it in July. Melbourne and Perth, yeah. And I can, I can imagine Melbourne's now probably standalone as the the cheapest capital city. Mm. Indeed. All right. Uh, moving on. Um, so I think you know we've got the rolling three months changing values, etc., uh, etc. Et so I'm not going to go through these. All up. Okay. So a bit more summary. Uh, in terms of the stock level. So after 10 months of below average vendor activity, the flow of new capital city listings has ramped up through winter and spring to be almost 12% higher than a year ago. So we're seeing a lot more stock levels coming onto the market at the moment. Although the total listing, so the new listing plus the relistings at the moment still remain lower than this time last year and yep. below the previous five-year average. Okay, but it's clear that the inventory levels are rising. So more properties are available for sale. Uh, a lot more sellers coming onto the spring market now. Um, obviously, try to try to get try to sell off their their property. Um, but at a at a holistic level, we still haven't hit even twelve months ago, let alone five years average at the moment. So, but that's what you're seeing at the moment, John. I, I'm assuming you're also seeing a lot more available properties for sale. You know, in the last month or two. Yeah. So just a, a couple of comments on supply. So I, I, I'm not, I'm, it, it's, there is more supply. It's spring. So there, there ought to be more supply. Yep. Uh, and so there's nothing unusual there. Uh, it's hard to find. There's no, there's a very limited supply of good quality stock. Uh, so they're, they're selling really fast. And I think that while I think supply is up, I think you can't look at supply without looking at demand at the same time. And I think that um, certainly demand and supply are, uh, matching that uh, there's there's uh, more demand as well, um, but my main concern with the conversation about supply is, as, as we said, I actually off air, was that what you really want to look at is population adjusted supply. Mm. So if we're back at the average of the last five years in terms of supply, 
that's great if our population was stagnant, but our population is going up at 500,000 people a year. It's like one and a half Canberra's every year that we need to build. Um, so we have many, many more people than five years ago or the average of the last five years. And if we're, we're just going up to the average of the last five years with two million more people, we still have a shortage, which is why what is actually more informative, I think, than the supply going up is actually what what's the vacancy rate and the vacancy rate dipped again in October. Yep. That's the vacancy rate is in a set in a sense population adjusted housing supply, and it's at 0.8 of a percent. So we we're still way short, way short. Um, supplies up, but there's more of us and there's more demand. So yeah, yeah, you've got to adjust this stuff for population. I think which is why vacancy rates are probably the best we're going to get. Mm. for an indication and it's sort of the canary in the coal mine the the rental market's very fluid you don't need to you don't need to go to the bank and then wait six weeks for approval you can go out and rent a property anytime so it's a very nimble part of the market very agile very fluid it's telling us that we're, we've got a housing shortage uh so yeah vacancy rates I think it's been screaming at us that it has a <laughs> rental shortage for a while now uh based yeah. on the numbers <laughs> so yeah, far yeah, right um but it's interesting to see, obviously, the stock level started to come up, um, and it sounds like it's actually a lot higher. Um, and, and you know, like maybe it's just part of spring. Maybe it's mm. maybe it's more sellers now feeding the pinch um, in that sense, and, and and try to sell off um, the investment property or few investment properties to be able to liquidate a bit more. So, yeah. Um, but this even the stock level has uh, diversities as well. Um, again, so you know, at one of one end of the spectrum is Perth, where advertised stock levels have fallen through spring to be minus 0.2, minus 2.1% below levels recorded at the end of the winter. So Perth supply level continues to trend down. Listing numbers have also hardly budged in Brisbane, which is about 0.5% increase, or Adelaide 1.6% uh, increase. Okay, so um, there's a bit of a diversity in those. Uh, on the other side of the spectrum, ACT total listings have jumped twenty one point three percent, basically. So ACT's got a lot of properties at the moment that's on the market, flooding out. Uh, while vendor activity has picked up, home sales are tracking only slightly above the five year average across the capitals and are losing some momentum. So yes, there's more stock available for sale. However, the number of transactions or sales listings has not necessarily kept up, um, in a sense. So. What Tim has commented on this is saying, with vendor activity gathering some momentum while buyer activity slows, it's likely selling conditions will continue to rebalance towards buyers, especially in those cities where advertised supply levels are high. In markets where demand and advertised supplies are more evenly balanced, it's logical to expect price growth to slow down. In other markets, such as Perth, where listings are almost Minus 45% below the five-year average, while sales activity is almost 25% above average. Prices are rising at the fastest pace since March 2021. So, yeah, so I think, uh, you know, I think it just uh, kind of explains a lot in terms of why Perth at the moment is the hottest investor market <laughs> in Australia. Um, yes. Fingers down. Uh, yeah. Word of warning. Though I, don't, I so I agree, you know we do our ratios of capital cities, and and uh, listeners, you, you should definitely check that video out where we go through every capital city, uh, and we compare and we we do the ratio of Sydney to the capital city. We also compare Sydney to gold, which we can come back to. 
the 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 only the only risk the only caveat in the Perth market, and I don't know a lot about the Perth market, but it's about fifty percent investor, which means that it you you would expect it to be about thirty percent investor, seventy percent owner occupier, and that's what a healthy market looks like. So you want more owner occupiers at the moment. Perth's about fifty fifty investors to uh, owner occupiers, which introduces a potentially a fickle buyer into into the Perth market. So while I think Perth has got more to run, I think it's going to outperform the other capitals. You just need to be careful whenever investor levels go that high. What, what one of the reasons why back in 2021 I was convinced that it wasn't the big bubble that everyone thought it was was that uh in Sydney at least was that investor levels were very low so all, all the speculative buying back in 2021 when everyone was saying it's a massive bubble there were no investors buying so you, you need investors you need a high proportion of investors to mark the end of a cycle to mark a bubble a boom um we maybe have that in Perth, although I think it's got legs, you don't have that in Sydney. Um, so prices are high, but that doesn't mean there's a bubble. You need high supply and you need lots of investors. That's what makes a bubble. And I think supply has is having exactly the same issue there up at Perth at the moment, which is yeah. why it's also accelerating, right? So um, mm. the the you know people are the only occupiers in the Western Australia states are certainly looking at buying as well, but. Um, Yep. Yeah, there's nothing, there's unfortunately nothing to purchase. Um, there's no listings. Mm. They're not building things enough fast enough as well. Um, yeah, so yeah. So I spoke to David Hall, um, yeah. who's a, obviously he's a perf, he's our perf guy. Yeah, he knows he knows that market inside out. He's saying exactly the same thing. Um, yeah. So in short period of time, this uh this supply issue is not gonna go away, basically, unfortunately. Mm, okay, interesting. Um yeah, yeah. Okay. And the new listing, you know, I think looking at this graph as well at the moment, it still seems to be trending up. But um, again, it's uh, it's still below um, the five-year average at the moment. So that's yeah. a very visual way of being able to And again, see. not population adjusted. So if you if I think the vacancy rate, it's a bit further down and that that's an indication. Let's talk about there vacancy rates, given, John, how you want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, rental vacancies fell to a new record low in November. So 0.9% across the combined cities and 1.2% across the combined regional markets. Nationally, rental listings were minus 35.5% below the previous five-year average over the four weeks ending October and minus 16.1% lower than a year ago. So definitely have a big supply yeah. issue here. That's not, um, yeah, um, and it's and it's mainly, main, now, as you said, John, this is now factoring in the population. Yeah. Well. The one, thing I, one thing I'd say is, you know, there's always the question when you have a housing shortage, and there is a lot, the construction actually is is down because interest rates are up. So, so I don't see a solution to this anytime soon. But the question is always, is our, out of what we're building, I'll be building the right things. Mm-hmm. And there were some articles in the paper during the week about um, whether s- student uh, f- foreign students coming in is skewing the housing market. So uh, foreign students live in one bedroom units, or they 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 cohabitate maybe in a in a larger apartments and they rent the room. But generally speaking, uh, if you've if you've got People coming to study at Macquarie University or UNSW that they'll rent a one-bedroom apartment nearby. So that's what we build. We build one-bedroom apartments. Now, one-bedroom apartments are great for students, but they don't solve a broader housing shortage. So if you're after like a 
if you've got a family, you're you're in trouble uh, because we're not building three bedroom units or houses uh, to for families. So, so there's always an interesting. There's only so many bricks. There's only so many labourers. There's only so many electricians around. So where we allocate those scarce resources to, in this case, one bedroom units near yeah. universities, is uh, pulling resources away from building other types of dwellings for other types of family types. So that that's another interesting. Uh, interesting conundrum. But if 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 immigration goes, if if population growth goes to five hundred thousand a year, and stays at five hundred thousand a year, the economy will get used to that. We'll plan for that, and then we will. Cons- but if it goes up to five hundred thousand, then up to seven hundred thousand, then down to two hundred thousand, the economy is sort of discombobulated. It doesn't know what to build. Yeah. But if 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 immigration levels stabilize, then the market will adjust to that, and that's no problem. Yeah, well, that's the, the difficult part for the um, for everyone to play, isn't it? It's just um, you know we we know we know how um, how much immigrants are coming in, but um, you know as you as you rightly pointed out, um, developers are not making profits from building, and therefore yeah. they're not really building um, in that in that sense. Um, yeah, so it's a I think it's it's just going around in in in, in circles um, at the moment, yeah. right? We have a we have a we have a shortage issue. Um, we know we need to build more, but we can't build more because of high rates and because that lower profit margin. So therefore, less incentivized builders to actually build more at the moment. And it also depends on what they want to build. As you rightly pointed out, it might be more profitable to build three times one bedrooms rather than one times three bedroom. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah. you know, not really solving the fundamental issues. Um, at the moment so mm. and that seems to be and that will continue as well unfortunately uh for the foreseeable at least for the foreseeable future that we're seeing yeah. um but having said that you know in terms of the rental um supply uh despite such tight rental supply the piece the, the pace of growth in rents has generally lost some steam and has become more diverse um I personally think that it's more to do with affordability. I think with the even with the affordability on purchases as well. So there's only a certain room um, for well for for values to continue to go up for those people who requires the finance and credit. Um, same thing to the renters uh, to a level as well, right? There's only a certain allocation of their net income that they can allocate, um, and now it's starting to hit that affordability range as well. Um, so yeah, how much more yeah. will rent continue to grow? Is well, rent, rent can, renters can move to cheaper areas and pay the same rent. I mean, that, that again, it's a very fluid part of the market. Mm-hmm. One thing I'd say about the, the, the rents are definitely coming off in terms of the growth rate in the rents. They're definitely coming off in units. They're kind of plateauing at 10% growth for houses. So I'm not, I'm not persuaded that houses, except for in Adelaide and Brisbane, which has sort of have fallen from fourteen percent to six percent growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Sydney, Perth, Melbourne, r- rents are growing at ten percent per year, and they're not coming off. But unit rents are definitely coming off in terms of the the rate of growth. Why do you think that's the case, John? Like, are people coming back to seeking houses again over units because of the because of that difference between the rent on the houses or? Rents on the unit is now closer to houses, so therefore they go. If I can spend a hundred dollars more a month in terms of getting a house, then I might as well do that. 
Uh, well, it's hard, it's hard to know. I think it's partly to do with what we're building, which we spoke about a couple of moments ago. But I think the other reason is is that uh, unit rents went up much more, Too more sharply as as they opened the, the spigots for uh, yeah. students to come back in. So I think there was a bit of a sharper increase up to sort of like uh, 17%, 18%. So it's coming down to 12%, whereas I think uh, house rents didn't go up as, as sharp. They sort of went up to 12% and now they're at 11%. And um I, I just think there was a bigger shock to the apartment market for renters. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Um, and gross rental yields look to have peaked as values continue to rise and rate of rental growth yeah. accelerates. So yeah, that's that, that surprises me. Generally speaking, the 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 yield will uh, will converge with the interest rate. Mm. So if you've got uh, um, we, uh, we saw this on the way down, didn't we? You know, interest yeah. interest rates fell, and so prices rose until the yield matched the interest rate, which was about one percent at the at the top. Uh, so we, I don't see yields falling unless the interest rate rise cycle is over. Uh, so I, I still think that yields have to go up a bit more. I, I don't agree with everything in these reports, by the way, and I think that's one thing that I think the the yields have to. Uh, rents will still rise faster than uh, prices because the yields still need to get to around four or five percent, which is where the interest rates are. So I think that I, th- I think that they're wrong on that. Yeah. So in you, my opinion, the the value of the property prices will continue to grow, but it's not going to be at the pace of the rental growth. So in other words, rent yeah. growth is going to be higher than the value growth from this point. Yeah. So that's right. As long as while interest rates are around six percent. And yields are say three and a half percent. Rents will grow faster than prices, mm. so that the the yield and the and the interest rate will converge. Yield will continue. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see in a few months' time. We'll see. I mean, in a, yeah, years. Yeah, a couple of years' time. That's it. All right. Um, so yeah. So coming to a bit of a summary page, the outlook for housing market isn't as positive as it was a few months ago. With advertised stock levels on the rise while buyer demand looks increasing shaky amid low sentiment, stretched affordability and the potential for another rate hike this month on a cup day. Um, so that seems to be the, the, the general consensus. Uh, while the advertised supply is likely to rise further through spring and into early summer, the prospects for buyer demands just aren't as positive. Consumer sentiment is already deeply pessimistic, holding at similar levels to the early stages of the pandemic and the worst of the global financial crisis for more than a year. So uh, I think the high, basically the high interest rates is, is just curbing the demand uh, right now um, in that. Um, and it's been very difficult to access credit, um, that's for sure at yeah. the moment. Um, the wash up is that we were likely to see a further reduction in the rate of growth in housing value over the months ahead alongside increased diversity in capital growth performance. So yeah, like we mentioned before, um, essentially the... Um, uh, the, the capital cities will be running at their own pace. Um, the Perth, Adelaide and Brisbane market will probably continue to do relatively well. Um, Sydney markets, Melbourne markets, these are the ones that's got a bit more leverage. Um, they will be impacted a lot more by interest rates um, and they could decelerate a little bit faster than what it is. But overall, I think, John, um, I guess what this tells me is um, the markets are rebalancing. I think that's one of the key things that uh in terms of taking away is um yeah it's 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 rebalancing um from basically a seller's market for probably the last nine months or so 
um, it's starting to it's starting to shift towards more of a balanced market as we have more supply coming through. But it's not a buyer's market either, um, as well, because there's not enough demand coming through, not enough buyers who want to uh, want to buy, and that's purely due to the cost of credit um, right now. Yeah. Mm. Yes, I think I th uh, you know prices are still rising, and my view is that they'll they'll probably continue to rise for the next uh, two years, but we'll see. Um, the peak in the the rate of growth, and and we have to distinguish between whether the market's growing and the and the speed at which it's growing. But I think the peak rate of growth was back in June, but uh, there was a bit of a resumption in in growth quite recently, so it's still growing quite quickly. One thing I, that that ties it into the gold to real estate ratio is that the all the currencies got smashed in October the prices the 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 value of our currency went down yeah. gold spiked that in real terms pushes the value of all Australian dollar denominated assets including real estate down so in real terms so in Sydney prices went up by 0.8 of a percent but um Gold went up by about, I think, five or six percent. So in real terms, Australian property prices came down. Priced in gold or priced in US dollars or priced in something that's not losing value like Aussie dollars, prices came down. I think we've got a long way to run on this uh, real estate uh, uh, upswing, which is doesn't have to be a massive upswing, but I think prices are going to continue to rise because I think that the Australian dollar is going to continue to fall. I think the US dollar is going to continue to decline and all currencies are losing value. So prices of assets in these countries need to reset higher. And I think that's partly what's happening. It looks like a real estate bubble, but it's actually a currency decline. Okay. The value, yeah. Yeah. So when the value of gold goes up, uh, the value the value of the property is going down. So I yes. don't think property prices are going up as quickly as we think they are in real terms, uh, and they're struggling to keep up to the the de decline in the value of the Aussie dollar. Yeah, yeah. It's a, you're talking from a relative perspective at the moment, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's like inflation adjusted prices. They're still falling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Any other any other takeaways um, out of this uh, this month's? values uh no very thorough i mean at the at the end of this is a uh so houses okay. are still outperforming units and i think mm -hmm. that's interesting and i think this is this is also so if you can if the listeners can download this themselves it's quite interesting to pour over the best performing suburbs and for the last 12 months it's been um marrickville to sydenham and petersham which is yep. very interesting because that's where the new part of the the metro that goes out to bankstown is so there's a real sort of focus that's about growing at about 14.9%. Uh, Borkham Hills, Hornsby, Blacktown, uh, Burwood, Strathfield, Canterbury, Leichhardt, they're, they're the best performing suburbs over the last year. And I, I, I was going to there doesn't seem to be a theme, to be honest. I mean, the, the first one's about the metro. We'll, we'll talk about, a bit more about that later. But then there's uh, Blacktown pops up. I bought a lot of properties. Seven Hills Blacktown over the last year, and um, I think those areas are, are doing really well. Yeah. But yes, I think for, for all the listeners, you should pour over this uh, back page, which has got some specific suburb uh, performance data. Yeah, that's the SA3, which is basically the, uh, I think it's from a council 
level as well. Yeah, so, LGS. You know, aggregated, aggregated, not specifically the say Borkham Hill suburb or Warringah suburb. You know, it's it's about the aggregate of that council area, um, which are performing quite stellar um, in that sense. So, but yeah, definitely. Um, definitely check it out uh, from this uh, Core Logic report, which gets released every month. Um, mm. By the start of the month, it shows the performance of the last month's um, report. So, um, yeah, awesome. All right. Uh, thanks, John, for the wisdoms, as always. If you have any questions or feedback about today's episode, you can reach out to us through sparkyourfirepodcast at gmail.com. That's sparkyourfirepodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Also, the content discussed in this episode is general in nature. Please seek specific advice from qualified professionals in regards to your personal situation.